This is Hunter from Foundation Disc Golf, and you're listening to the Amside Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Amside Podcast, the show that talks about all things disc golf. From weekend rounds of our mates to the Pro Tour over in the States, we've got you covered all from an amateur perspective. As always, we're your hosts, Rob and Dale. Dale, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what they can expect from this week's show? Yes, mate. Well, this weekend, we have had the Open at Belton, which did not disappoint. The only thing it did was the lack of coverage. Um, you know, I love having that whole weekend of disc golf live coverage, and we only had a, a Sunday. So we've had to catch up post-production, which is absolutely fine. You know, everyone sorted out their their um, their content, and it was, it was really good to see them. It was, it was a great battle out there. Um, this week's guest is none other than Hunter Thomas from Foundation Nation. Now, a lot of people are going to know him as a disc golfer, but also as a co-owner of Foundation Disc Golf, which is uh, owned by him, Brody, and Paul. Um, it was great to sit down with him. Um, great conversation, and I can't wait to get out there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to coming on to that a little bit later in the show. Uh, but you said it. Let's discuss Belton. It was a great weekend, but only one day of coverage on the last day. And that's through it being a Silver Series event. So it's only worth 25% of regular tour points. Um, but I didn't mean we weren't seeing big names. Last year, there wasn't as many big shooters uh, on the weekend. Ezra came away with the win. But looking back on PDGA, there's only a handful of uh, these names that we used to seeing week on week. But everyone came out of the woodwork for, uh, for this weekend's event. Um, and we're going to be talking about some of those big names and the performances they've had just in a sec. Um, in terms of conditions, it was a perfect, perfect weekend for disc golf. The sun was out, shorts, t-shirts, a little bit reminiscent of when we started playing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I wasn't surprised that some of these big numbers uh, were, were coming in from the pros. No, it was, uh, it was that battle, wasn't it? You know, the Raptor versus McBeast, and um, you know, one one had to prevail. But it was, it went down to the final couple of holes. There's some great disc golf played, putts being missed, putts being made. Um, it was it was awesome. Um, I am in love with that course as well. Um, I think it really suits. There's some great holes. That first hole, you know, you're throwing this massive spike hyzer. Doesn't look too difficult, but you know, it, it shows. You know, there was people making lines I'd never even seen before. But um, yeah, that course is definitely one up there for me. I mean, a hole that I would love to play. I believe it's 16, the Woods Hole. They sort of uh, they were saying on the commentary that it has about four holes worth of trees in one, and it was definitely a punisher for some of the uh, some of the guys out there. But yeah, you mentioned it: Macbeth versus Wysocki, world champion versus world champion, uh, fighting tooth and nail. It was edge of the seat content every single minute of that last day of coverage, and it, it was just it was a little bit different to what we've seen over the first few events of the year. Uh, this year, we've seen people get reasonably comfortable going into the last round, and all they've had to do is hold that lead. There wasn't a lead to hold from Macbeth going into round three, um, and it was uh, it, it was just a wonderful performance. Uh, fans of the show will know that I'm a big Heimberg fan, and he was trading in third the whole time, but he would have had to put a better than minus 18 round in, and Wysocki and Macbeth would have had to throw a horrendous round to move up a position from from third so there's some battling a little bit further down the charts but the uh that one and two spot were the ones that people were waiting to see who came out as a winner no agreed but 
I think some people on the pro tour need to start moving because we're seeing some big names not making it up there this year. Um, I think Kevin Jones is, is struggling. You know, he's absolutely smashing it in the um, in the match play. What is it? The skins matches beforehand. But um, I, I'm not seeing a lot of action from him this year. No, I, I had him on my go on my grip six picks. Um, I thought that this year was going to be his year after a phenomenal finish and a lot of tournament wins end of last season. But no, I think he he just needs to build back some of that momentum. We know he's a big arm. We know that he can pull off some incredible shots. But yeah, there's just a couple of names. Obviously, Eagle last week not having a, a sort of stellar performance. It's consistency, and I mean that consistency is what make Ricky and Macbeth at the top all t- all the time because that that's world class consistency that we are seeing, and it was great to witness that firsthand. No, definitely. And moving over to FPO, um, obviously. We need to address that you said that Paige Pierce is going to win. I said Owen Scoggins is going to win. Neither of both were playing this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we uh, we lost out there. But in terms of the Katrina Allen, you know, she played well, but we can't discount. I can't not talk about Heather Young. She threw a phenomenal final round. Yeah, I mean, Heather Young, uh, unrecognized, I mean, not unrecognizable, recognizable in purple. Um, you can always spot her out there on the course, throwing, yeah, one of the best rounds we've seen from the FPO this year. Uh, but again, Katrina came away with the win. And I think it just comes down to that tour experience, tour consistency. You can be on level on skill, but that experience just gives you those extra strokes. Um, I, I think uh, going back to last week, looking at uh, Gavin Rathburn and uh, Gannon Burr, again, they have the skill to win these tournaments, but just those clutch moments these uh, that we're, we're seeing on each tournament so far, that's what wins. And I think that's what gave Katrina the the edge this weekend. Yeah, confidence, isn't it? You know, you're walking up to that putt. You know, I've been doing a lot of putting in my back garden. I can walk up to my back garden knowing I'm going to make that putt. But being in, in a course, it's different. You know, I haven't got that confidence because it's not from the fourth slab from my door that I know I go to every time. You know, it's going to be inside that tree line or something like that. So I think, yeah, Katrina Allen's experience in disc golf showed this weekend and showed that, you know, that she'll, she'll prevail. But I don't think that people should be discounted. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to I think the FPO season so far has been very good. Um, it wasn't that era so far that we thought it was going to be. Um, but I'm excited for, for more FPO action. Absolutely. And the crown is not safe on the MPO. I mean, yes, Macbeth's got a tournament win, but no one's looking safe. I mean, I'm not even convinced Wysocki's going to be safe up there next week. It's honestly, it's a anyone can win at any moment situation over there on the MPO, which is great to see. But just talking about that mentality that you said about going up to putts and having the confidence to hit putts, also the confidence to know that you've just missed a bad shot, you've thrown a bad shot and walking to the next hole. That's what we're seeing with the younger players getting to their heads and potentially messing up the next three, four holes. You're seeing these players, you know that, okay, Macbeth had to get a birdie, but he got a par. But you know what? He he might have been a little bit frustrated, but he picked up his putter and he went on to the next hole and threw that hole well. Uh, it's that consistency that I always try and look for when I'm playing tournaments and rounds, thinking, you know what? That was hole four, let it go, hole five's next. And equally, when I eat, when I got our, my ace, when we were playing on our round, I mean, you remember that. I aced one hole and then I sevened the next hole because 
I wasn't I wasn't letting an exciting moment I wasn't letting that go to move on to the next hole so yeah it's just it's it's mindset mentality which make these guys at the top the reason they're at the top yeah it's it's moving on isn't it um and I think from what I've seen from you and what I've seen from me one thing we're doing a lot better is playing each hole as their own you know we we can go out there at the moment with a traveler basket and make our own holes which has been awesome really really enjoyed that but I will have a bad hole but next usually I'll that will go on to the next hole to the next hole but I'm trying to forget about it and I think it's definitely helped me and it's, it's helped you and that's one thing we're learning from tour and I think that's amazing to watch from live disc golf is you can learn so much about not just how they play but their mentality and what they're doing on that next shot because you can see how angry they get but then you can see on the next hole joking around and throwing an absolute park job yeah i mean some of the best uh, games i've ever played rounds i've ever played when i haven't been looking at the score and you understand why people don't look at score while they're out there because as soon as you get in your head that you're four down then you're actually four down if you have no idea what the score is you're not down at all you're playing against yourself you're level pegging and you're good to go and i mean in your head you're winning this thing right if you throw a few more good shots so uh and, and, and disc golf mentality is definitely something we're going to address with guests in the future and something that I think yep. is really important uh, and a huge part of the sport. But talking about discussing things with guests, let's move on to this week's guest, someone that me and you have seen really from the start of our disc golf careers because of the wonderful, incredible and fun content uh, they put out on YouTube. Um, on YouTube, it's very easy to get into this sinkhole of instructional videos or watching Paul McBeth throw 18 downs, but you look for something a little bit more lighthearted, uh, some challenges, some jokes, some games to play. And that, of course, is foundation, uh, foundation Disc Golf. So we have their co-founder, co-owner, Hunter Thomas, sitting down with us and uh, hear a lot about that story. Awesome. Hunter from Foundation Disc Golf, thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Um, so if people aren't watching your content online, can you give us a quick intro to who you are and what you do? Yeah, so Foundation Disc Golf, we, we started a little over two years ago. Uh, we're an online retailer, but you know a lot of people know us more from our social media side. We do a weekly podcast. We drop two videos a week, uh, You know, TikTok, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, yeah, we just like to, to have a good time out there and enjoy the sport we all love. Amazing. And so um, we, we did a little bit of research before the show. Uh, we're, we're professionals, as, uh, as we all are. Uh, so we know that you, um, you started playing disc golf at Liberty College. Well, I say you, you played disc golf. Uh, we're interested about, is that where you started or did you play the game before? And how did you get into, into the sport of disc golf? Yeah, so my, my first experience with disc golf ever was in, I think, middle school. Um, my brother, my, actually, my brother's PE teacher at, our, at his high school, I uh, had a bunch of baskets and taught him how to play. And I went out with the DX Archangel and a DX Birdie. And we went to a local park and I played once or twice then, didn't really care for it. You know, I was always focused on basketball. So that's all I did. And so I just completely forgot the sport existed until my senior year of high school. Um, my basketball season ended. I wasn't going on to play anywhere else. Uh, and so I was like, what am I going to do to be competitive? You know, this is all I've ever known. And that was when I picked up disc golf. Um, and so that was about May of 2015. And then, yeah, I joined the Liberty Disc Golf team in September of that year. Nice. Is that where you met um, Trevor whilst playing or did you know him before that? Yeah, no, I met Trevor at Liberty. Yeah, um, I believe it was my junior year was uh, his freshman year. 
Um, and so he kind of came on just as a new guy and yeah, we hit it off from there. Nice. And what was your sort of biggest achievement while I've been at college? You know, did you have any big wins? Uh, I had a, I had a few that I'm proud of. No one will know what they are. Um, <laughs> I, I won the Southeast Collegiate Open. It was one of the bigger uh, collegiate events. We won that both as a team and me individually. And then my senior year, I finished uh, third at Collegiate Nationals, again, uh, individually and as a team. We both came in third. So those are like my two most proud moments there. But, you know, college disc golf is kind of small on the, the disc golf radar. I think it's going to kind of blow up here in the next few years. People will start recognizing a little more. A lot of people don't even know it exists. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it was definitely a good time. I, I loved loved it, and it led me to a lot of different opportunities. Awesome. I think um, America, uh, or the US in general, it's quite a strange mix with sport, because some sports are much bigger on the college level, and some are almost non-existent at the college level. So I, um, I came from a lacrosse background, and the NCAA lacrosse, is, it's, it's much bigger than the pros, arguably. Um, but then obviously you've got uh, the NFL, which is bigger in the pro tour. So it's interesting that over here in, in the UK, a university sport isn't really televised apart from the rowing race between Oxford and Cambridge. There's, there's not a huge sort of support or fandom around university teams. So I think it's really interesting having that, uh, that sort of team spirit, sort of college following over, over in America. No, yeah, for sure. I've always been a big college basketball fan. I think a lot of times, at least over here, college sports will be bigger than professional sports, at least as far as like how fans run. Like I'm, I bleed Duke blue. I'm a diehard Duke basketball fan. But then when you get to the NBA, I could not care less. In the NBA, I'm like a, a player fan. So, you know, I follow LeBron, I follow Steph Curry and wherever they go, I'm a fan. So I think it's just a, I don't know, that's just, I guess it is kind of weird. I'm from the outside looking in, but that's just how I was raised. Really? Well, Duke, Duke was my lacrosse team as well when I, uh, when I watched, uh, so yeah, again, go blues. There you go. A lot of people might not know this about me, but I also played basketball in college. Being a measly five foot nine, I was the smallest on the team. Were you a shooter? I was point guard. Oh, nice, nice. Awesome, man. So you've left college. Um, how was Foundation born? Because obviously you've absolutely smashed it and we love the brand over here. Uh, hence why we really wanted to get you on just because we're both big fans. So how was Foundation born? Yeah, so it was actually born while I was still in college. Um, so when I was playing college disc golf, one of the members on the team was Hannah Croak, which is now Hannah Macbeth. Um, and that's kind of when Paul started coming around. Uh, they were dating at the time. And so he would come to our practices, you know, do drills with us, all of that stuff. Um, and then I always hosted a game night, like board games and stuff like that at uh, my house. And Paul started coming to that and just hanging out with us. And um, it was actually in 20, 2017, Paul first brought up the idea of opening like a retail store and like having it online hopefully eventually having it local and trying to grow the scene here uh, in Virginia where we're at and uh, that original conversation was me Paul and uh, actually Nick Carl because um, at the time he lived in in Virginia and you know we talked about it a ton then the 2018 season started and all that kind of just got pushed aside no one really thought about it again we had we'd already named it foundation I actually have the original logo somewhere we've never used it before um we named a foundation back then and then we never thought about it again. it was kind of just done 2018 rolls around and uh there's another guy on the disc golf team his name was uh zach and me zach and paul sat down and the idea we were just kind of talking we we're all friends idea came back up of you know online retail store they started like they're talking about it and i was like well paul what if we just we just run with foundation like we already kind of laid the groundwork we already knew 
you know, we already have the logo. I didn't like the logo, so I redesigned it. I was like, let's just run with that. And so the idea was born, and that was around um, October of 2018. And then we launched, uh, we became like officially a business in January, launched in February of 2019. Uh, so that's kind of where, where it all started and then just, you know, took off from there. Nice. So where did the name foundation come from? You know, what made you, you said you got that and stuck with it. Where did that sort of start? Yeah, we were trying to find, we were trying to figure out a name. Uh, and that's always the hardest part. I feel like of starting a business is what am I going to call this thing forever? And one thing that we knew was we wanted it to be, uh, originally we wanted it to be like a place locally that we could kind of build off of. Um, where we could start having tournaments, start having leagues and stuff like that. But then also on the online space, we wanted it to be something where players, whether they're new or advanced or even professional, could come to and use it to help build their game. Um, And every time we said the word build, we started thinking of like, all right, well, let's do something with building. That's what we're we're focused on is we want to help players build their game. And obviously you have to have a good foundation in order to build something. And so that's where that's where it came from. Nice. That's awesome, man. So, you know, having Paul on board must have been uh, quite daunting to start with. You know, this guy is, is huge. So, you know, he's coming to help you practice. You know, how, how was that, you know, starting that relationship with Paul? Yeah, I mean, looking back on it, it's kind of crazy. So 2015 is when I started playing disc golf. And me and my brother are very much like, if we get our mind focused on something, we're all in on it. Like we, we just dive, you know, head first. I think within my first month, I had a backpack bag with like 30 discs in it. Like I, I shouldn't have, but you know, that's just, that's just how we are. Sounds familiar. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's how most disc golfers are, but come mid summer, we actually flew out to pro worlds because we, we, it was in Pennsylvania and my cousin was a pilot and uh, he was in school to become a pilot and needed flight hours. And he was like, hey, you know, if y'all ever want to go anywhere, just let me know. I really need hours to complete everything. I was like, well, there's actually this disc golf tournament coming up. I would love it if you just flew us there. And so he flew us out to Pennsylvania. And I met Paul there for the first time. This is before I was on the team or anything like that. So I was just freaking out over meeting Paul Macbeth. And even uh, Tompkins, who ran Supreme Flight, John Tompkins, I met him too. And I was freaking out over meeting him because to me, like these guys are superstars. And um, so I have a picture with Paul from that tournament. I also have a picture with Simon. And looking back on it, it's hilarious because, uh, like, you can see it all over my face how nervous I was to meet him. And then come October is when Hannah and him were kind of starting to date. I don't know if they were, like, official yet or, or what was going on, but we got invited to go down to USDGC. Um, and so I was somehow become – I had somehow become good enough friends with the group that was going that I got to go. And so then that was really cool because we were all hanging out at Paul's RV, you know, all that stuff. And again, I'm just a huge fan at that point. So as you can probably imagine, I'm losing my mind trying to act cool. I'm freaking sitting in Paul's RV playing FIFA with the guy. And I'm like, this dude's a superstar. What's going on? Um, and then, yeah. So by the time the company started, I was just so good friends with, with him that like, he doesn't really seem any different to me. You know, like sometimes we'll go out and like be at a tournament and people are freaking out meeting them. And I forget just like who he is. You know what I mean? Like it's just one of those things that once I've become such a good friend of them, it just seems weird. Like what? like people are freaking out. I'm like, oh, duh, like it's Paul. So, but yeah, it's kind of been crazy how that all progressed. But every once in a while, I'll still like think back to like, and if I could have told myself in 2015, walking up to him at Pro Worlds, like shaking to meet the guy that like, you know, this is where I'd be, you know, six years later, I, I probably would have, I would never believe myself. 
Well, it's, it's quite interesting um, fandom in disc golf because obviously disc golf is a growing sport, and over in the UK, it's it's in its infant infancy, and there's a lot of people that haven't heard of it. So I'll be messaging my friends. We've sat down with Ezra and Nate Sexton, and I'll message I'll message them saying we've got Nate Sexton on the show, and they're like Nate who? Like is is he? Yeah. And then we obviously talk to the the disc golfers that were in the community with, and they're like that's mental, that's crazy. So. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely strange. Like depending on who we're speaking to, it's either a massive deal or just some guy that could be walking along the street who no one knows who he is. So, um, no, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. talking about sort of um, superstars and someone that transcends disc golf and someone that's now, I mean, he's an integral part of the foundation family is is Brody. Now we've spoke um, about how he got into the sport in the first episode of the show, um, and Dale. Uh, his inspiration to play disc golf was through Brody's videos and the content he was producing. That must have brought such a huge audience to uh, what Foundation already had with a fantastic, or Foundation, <laughs> pardon the pun. Um, how was that experience getting Brody on board? And obviously, not necessarily from a, a disc golf superstar, but just another area of the internet and obviously uh, Ultimate and that audience and now being your audience. Yeah, so I think the the process of getting Brody on board was, I mean, it, it was it was kind of crazy because again, I was a diehard Brody fan since middle school. You know what I mean? Like I'm watching all of his videos back with like, dude, perfect, how ridiculous, all this stuff. And you know, so what happened was he got into disc golf, and then he immediately hits up Paul because obviously you know Paul's the guy he wants to learn from, being the top of the sport, and so he calls Paul. And he decided, hey, I'm gonna come out to Virginia for a two week boot camp. And so I told Paul, I was like, look, I don't care what role it is, but I wanna be there so I can meet this guy. Like, I don't care what it is. And so what it ended up being was, um, if you go onto his channel, the video's there, it was a stadium disc golf. We had, we went to the university, I went to Liberty and they allowed us into their football stadium, gave us full reign over anywhere we wanted, anything we wanted to do. And let it originally Brody was going to shoot a few trick shots. We got a few in those were on Instagram, I think. Uh, but then he was like, let's just play disc golf. Let's just move the basket around and play some doubles. And so uh, I was losing my mind. because I showed up that day with the mindset of I'm gonna be a cameraman here. Like that's all I'm here for. I'm gonna say hi to the guy. And then I'm just a camera guy. And then next thing I know, I'm in a Brody Smith video. And I was like, holy crap. Um, and that's all I thought was going to happen of it. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, this guy's going to get into disc golf. It is what it is. That's the last time I've seen the guy unless I see him on tour. Months later, I think it was about April, he calls Paul and was like, we need, we need to do something business-wise with disc golf. You know, like there's a big opportunity here. We need to get into a business together, not knowing foundation existed. And so then Paul's like, well, I actually kind of have something with foundation. You know, you might be a really good fit because one of our big focuses is social media would you be interested in talking to them? And so then he get, sat us all down uh, and we got on a phone call, like, you know, with Brody, me, Paul and Zach at the time. And we all talked through it. And that was like April, Brody officially came up and bought in in May. And July, we had zero discs in our inventory anymore because we weren't prepared for what he was about to do. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was, that was a great time. Uh, but it was also a very stressful time because, you know, you would think he's just sold out of everything, you know, amazing, great job. But that was like the most stressful thing because you're starting from scratch. Like we basically, we, we built this store for a year and a half and then out of nowhere, we, we were back to square one. We had empty shelves, literally 
there wasn't a product on our shelf. Like, cause we did that signing with Brody and Paul and every single disc was wiped from our inventory. And then it was also right around the time that uh, stuff started happening a lot more with COVID to where we couldn't build an inventory back. So it's been an uphill battle ever since then. You know, I wouldn't change it. You know, if I went back, we would do the same thing. So it's a great experience. But, you know, there was a three-week period where we had orders in, but they just, they couldn't get fulfilled. And so we were just sitting there just twiddling our thumbs, making YouTube videos because we couldn't even really go into work that, the next day because there's nothing to do at work. Nice, man. I think for me, obviously having Brody and Paul on board is Bolster's foundation. Um so you being that massive fan of them both, what was it like when you started sort of filming videos? Were you, were you nervous? Were you playing differently? Or you think you're, you were trying harder because you just wanted to impress these guys or? No, not really. So videos, I'm not the best like filmmaker and like, I'm not like a cinematic arts person. You know what I mean? We've hired someone now that is, if you've ever, if you've seen some of our like hype up stuff, that's why we hired him. Um, is that Connor? Yeah, Connor's ridiculous that's that's exactly what he's, he's good at uh so going into it like the stadium disc golf i'm pretty sure we filmed it on brody's camera and the second camera is just a phone and so like i told brody going in i'm like i can follow a disc when it's in the air i was like but like i hope you're not expecting something crazy to come out of me he's like oh no he's like normally i shoot it myself like i don't care what you do and with paul you know we were just friends and so when we first headed out to the course and did like our, i think our very first video we shot with him was a practice round with paul and you know it wasn't really like anything was expected because we were just two friends with a camera out on the course. You know what I mean? It just, it felt kind of natural. It didn't feel by the time that they joined in and we were like actually flowing with videos, it didn't feel like a big deal to me at that point. Um, just because we were already friends, if that makes sense. So it just kind of just felt like you're just heading out to the course and shooting a video with friends for fun. And if someone watches it, they watch it type of a thing. Oh, and, and moving on to the sort of uh, the videos you're now creating, uh, I think, what I love about Foundation is the it's the polar opposite of every other disc golf video on YouTube because other ones are instructional and this is how you play disc golf. And some of the ideas that you guys are, are coming up with, which is uh, like the whose line is it anyway, where you can throw infinite shots or uh, recently the the full power, the full send video where you sort of, it's stuff that you would never do in tournament, but it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting and fun to watch. So as a creative outlet and a different side to disc golf, it, just it's a quite it's quite fresh uh to watch those especially if you've just sort of come off watching three hours or four hours of live content uh and it's like okay let's uh let's go watch the buggy bros uh, <laughs> throw some discs into some trees uh, <laughs> i look forward to tuesdays and fridays purely for those videos because you, know, you have got some of those instructional yeah. videos out there and um as rob will know and everyone that plays disc golf our, last year i completely eradicated my run-up um, you know, I was I was ha being that person exactly how you described, you know, erratic, no timing. So I, that video you put out with, let's just get rid of the X step and start again, um, is being massive. And it was only yesterday that I started to put movement into my drives. Um, so it's been a long process, but if people stay out with it, then it's definitely worth it. So anyone out there looking to get better their form, that video for me, it changed it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I think one thing that people don't really realize is we, we're almost running two businesses, if you kind of look at it, right? We've got the retail side, the online store, where we're hoping, you know, to be the one-stop shop for a disc offer, you know, you can get your apparel, get discs, get whatever you wanted. And then we, we're running the social media side. And that was completely intentional because when we were coming into it, uh, when we were first launching, 
we were looking at the retail space and it's, it's flooded. It's, I mean, it's even more flooded now than it was back then. And so we were looking at, you know, you have the big, the big dogs in the sport. What are they doing? What are they really good at? And then what are they not doing? And one of the biggest things that we noticed, the gap in the market was regular social media content. That just, it wasn't out there. You know what I mean? And so we were looking at it and everyone's Instagram and stuff was focused on discs. Everyone's YouTube comment was either, uh, was either um, like coverage of tournaments or it was instructional videos. And so we were looking and I was like, what's missing here? And one of the biggest things was like challenge videos and just people having fun. And I'm like, when people are coming from other sports and stuff, and even when they're just getting to disc golf, when you just get in, there's this initial rush where you're watching everything on YouTube. But then there can be like this lull where you get burnt out because you've been playing so much. And I was like, what I want to do is give people ideas to just keep disc golf fun and, you know, go out with your friends and like, hey, Foundation just tried a rope handicap challenge. Let's go buy, you know, 100 feet of rope and let's play it. You know what I mean? Um, but then on top of it, we wanted to also provide those videos for people who are trying to take it a little more serious. And that's where some of the instructional videos have come from. And that's something that as we grow, we're going to bring back. It's going to be a weekly, uh, you know, quick tips, instructional series. And then that's also where the podcast was birthed from was now a more advanced player who's really into the pro side. Now we have this podcast where they can listen and get super into, you know, the pro side, you know, sports analysis. We're not an interview show. We just strictly, it's just me and Trevor sitting there analyzing and giving our opinions. Uh, Cause that was another thing we felt you know, a lot of podcasts on the disc golf world were just bringing pros on every week. And I was like, we, I can't add anything. I'm not a good interviewer. I can't add anything to that. So what can we do to add? And so that's what we constantly kept looking at is what is missing in the disc golf world and how can we make it where on the social media side, no matter where you go, you're going to see us. Um, and that way, wherever you went, we're there. And then hopefully the more you see foundation, the more you hear foundation, the more it drives you back to our uh, like second side of the business, which is the retail side. So that was kind of the whole, the whole plan from the beginning. It took a long time to get to where we can create content where we almost have stuff coming out every day because originally both like we were all working full-time jobs outside of it. Now that this is our full-time job, it's a little bit easier to justify going out and spending, you know, eight hours shooting three videos. We can justify that now that <laughs> this is what we're doing, but yeah. Nice, man. And as of recording this, you know, you've just hit 50K on YouTube, which is huge um i want to discuss that photo shoot oh yeah yeah <laughs> you know there's one thing that i think some people in disc golf don't know how to take us i think the second people realize that we do not take ourselves seriously at all is the second that people will start to understand us a little more you know what i mean we went out there my wife you know she brought the she bought us those 50k balloons uh which first off 50k is to even say it is surreal you know it uh, if you go deep enough in the YouTube archives, you can find like 12-year-old me uh, with a YouTube channel doing magic tricks way back in the day. I shouldn't have said that out there, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that's there. It's embarrassing, but it, it was like a dream of mine. You know, I, I feel like I grew up in the era where being a YouTuber was like a, a huge thing. Like it's something I always wanted to do. And so to be able to say that I'm a part of and grew a 50,000 subscriber channel is just mind-boggling but my wife went out and she was like this is such a big thing i'm gonna get these balloons and so we got the balloons i'm like oh this is nice like that's sweet of you and then trevor and i were standing here holding the balloons i'm like what on earth are we doing with these and then uh our photographer connor he's like what if i just shot you like an engagement photo shoot like what if we just went over the top super cringe i'll edit it to be like dreamy and you know that's what we post and i was like that's perfect I was like that's right on brand you know just 
it'll obviously we're it's an appreciation post to our fans but then at the same time hopefully it brightens their day when they're scrolling through and see us two you know laying in the field holding the balloons <laughs> absolutely i think um you said it yeah not taking yourself too seriously it's the most important thing when you're doing content because then you can just get yourself sort of trapped into sort of the expectation of i need to do the same quality every single week and i think uh, i'm i'm I know it's why myself and Dale enjoy your content and I'm sure the 50,000 other people that watch it, it is just that, it's just that kind of refreshing. It's, yeah, you still obviously, it's competitive, but it's that refreshing sort of nature of how you sort of conduct it. Um, and then you mentioned the podcast as well. And obviously we're doing a podcast, you guys doing a podcast, media in the, around the sport is growing and it's great to see all these different outlets that, um, that can now be associated to disc golf. How have you found that sort of experience doing the podcast? I know, like you said, uh, you just have fun with it. And it's, it's just great listening to these hour conversations on that week's topic. But uh, any any tips or tricks you can give us or any uh, any advice to to keep enjoying it? I mean, I don't know if I'm the right person to give you know, tips and tricks. Uh, when Yeah, when it first started, it was more just it started with Zach and I uh, way back. When, like, I think we might've started it before foundation actually started. Um, it was always on foundation's YouTube channel, but it was a live stream. And at that time we were just mimicking Smashbox. you know, Smashbox, they were the guys you, you just, you know, you just mimic them. And so at that time we did plan on having interviews and stuff like that. And week in and week out, we just found like, if you go back to some of our earlier ones, we did have some people on, we interviewed, you know, Jonathan Gomez from Gomez and stuff like that. But we just found out that wasn't what we personally enjoyed. You know what I mean? And so I was like, what I like to do is just sit down and just talk sports. Like, I just want to talk about disc golf. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of where it evolved. And it was always live. Uh, we always did it live on YouTube. And I think it was because it was just that was the disc golf mindset was, you know, when you do a podcast, it's live on YouTube. That was what all of them were. Uh, or like the, the ones we were modeling ourselves after. And then that's when Brody came in and he was like, why, why do you do it live? I was like, that's just the thing. He's like, well, yeah, but like, why? He's like, because then if someone doesn't watch it live, they missed out. He's like, so then you're missing out on all these people who want to listen to it on the way to work. You know, you're, interac you're interacting with a chat. And so then, you know, we're pausing the mid-interview to be like, oh, well, this person brought up a great point. And then you're breaking that wall to where someone listening afterwards, you know, can't really enjoy it. And that's when Grip Lock really took off is when we switched it up we sat down in studio it made it where the quality both audio and video was better because we could actually take our time uh actually shoot it we started shooting in 4k and then downscaling to 1080p stuff like that to where we can really take our time process the audio add compressors all of that good stuff and, and make it where it actually sounds good and then it also allows us to kind of plan out the show shoot it when we want it so then trevor and i can just sit there have a good time and you know, give our opinions on stuff. Um, but I think what you had said earlier uh, is exactly it. Like, you got to do this because you're having fun. You know what I mean? You got to just do it because you and your friend want to talk about disc golf. And that's what multiple times I've told people, I'm like, our opinions on the show are just that. They're our opinions. You know what I mean? Like, they don't mean anything. I, I've i never been a thousand rated in my life. My, my opinion when it comes to like what a pro's mindset is and stuff, yeah, I can give my opinion, but it's only validified if people think it's true and if like our audience appreciates it that's the only time the my opinion matters is if people give worth to it but i'm just sitting here and just talking disc golf with a friend and i'm putting that out there on like onto the internet and if people like it they like it 
And you know what I mean? And so we've had some people who are like, who the heck are these guys? Why, why do they think that they have the right to tell us how disc golf is supposed to be? I'm like, that's just not it. We're just talking. You know what I mean? And we have a mic in front of us and a camera, but we're just talking. Yeah. And I think, I don't know what it is, but the last, I think three or four grip locks, there's been so much more debate and I'm so here for it. It has been, I love, I listen to it on the way to work and I'm like, and when, uh, when uh, you and you and Trevor go off on each other, it's like that <laughs> you have such split opinions. Um, obviously, well, we're, we're one, one uh, tournament in and you've already won your bet. So I must feel pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, we're about to we're shooting the podcast later today, and I already told Trevor he needs to get on DoorDash and make sure the Chick Fil A is here before the start of the podcast. I texted him my order during the middle of the final round. You know, it was a weird bet because like I'm still a Paul fan. You know, he's <laughs> it's one of my good friends, one of my best friends, and so like I wanted him to be top three, but I'm also when he like started struggling, I'm like, all right, Paul, just come in fourth, <laughs> just get to fourth, so the bet's over. I don't have to worry about it, and we can move on. But yeah, the hard part is like I love the debate episodes too when Trevor and I do disagree. But both we just think so alike on a lot of things that when we bring something up and I'm like, all right, this could be a, this could be a hot topic. And then Trevor's like, yeah, I agree. And I'm like, dang it, you know, because it's fun. I enjoy debating. I enjoy arguing. That's just who I am. And but when we both agree, you know, you can't really help that. So, yeah, obviously you said that uh, Paul's your friend and you want him to always do well. But there must have been a point uh, during Vegas where the wind just knocked his disc into the water that you went, yes, <laughs> a little bit. I never, I never, I never celebrated. <laughs> okay. But I did want him to finish in fourth. I just wanted this, the pressure to be off of me. But I never, I never wanted him to mess up. I wanted everyone else just to outperform. If that makes sense. He's got 27 more tournaments now to go and win. So it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. From now on, I hope he does top three. You know what I mean? My, it's done. I'm, I'm stress-free now. Now I can just be a fan and celebrate. You know what I mean? So I hope he wins, goes 27 and 0 the rest. But yeah, that first one, if it, it was, it was a good thing that he came below fourth. I think he came in like ninth or something. But, I mean, yeah. what we know from Paul uh, from previous seasons is he is, he's going to use that as the ultimate fuel to just go out there and yeah, I'm, I'm sure the next few tournaments after that, he's going to absolutely kill it because he's going to learn those mistakes and just use it to motivate. Um, and that's, again, I guess what that makes him, that's why he's great, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. One, one thing people don't really know about Paul because you wouldn't know it unless you're standing right next to him when he's warming up is the dude. First off, he's relentless in practice and stuff. People know that. But he'll literally take disc golf podcasts to like, especially this week, right? Where people are going to be talking about like, he came out with that $10 million contract and then finished ninth. You know what I mean? There's going to be a lot of hate out there, especially on podcasts and videos and stuff like that. If people are saying like, is Paul washed up, whatever. He'll play that stuff on repeat while he's warming up putting before the next tournament. So I'm sure at Memorial right now, he's got someone, I don't know who's come out with a podcast yet in his back pocket blaring where, you know, you'll literally hear people talk or like, I'll be standing next to Paul filming him for whatever. And I'll literally hear in his pocket, just people saying Paul's washed up. Like it's over. You know what I mean? And he's sitting there just draining 50 footers and you can see it in his eyes. Like they shouldn't have said that because the rest of the field better watch out. So yeah, he uses it to fuel him. And that's probably why he is who he is. So what you're saying is the Paul Beth is the Tom Brady disc golf. So people call him washed up. But you know what? He's got more rings than anyone else. So uh, <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. And it's that it's that mindset. You know, the Mamba mentality, the Tom Brady. They all have the same mindset of like, you. They don't really care what anyone says because the work. The like, if you say something horrible about him, it's just motivation. That's all it is at the end of the day. And so like, he doesn't really care what people are saying about him. They can say he's washed up. They can say whatever. He's gonna go out and prove them all wrong. Nice. I think. 
I look forward to seeing what he does in Memorial this weekend because I think you're right. He'll take that on the chin. He'll be like, right, I'll go and I'll go and smash it. Um, and I think yeah. I'm disappointed this year that Memorial is not going to be as televised because obviously they won't close the park, etc. Because I think it's a great course and it's one I look forward to every year. Um, so it's disappointing, but we've got more disc golf on the way. No, for sure. There's gonna, there's going to be plenty of disc golf to watch this year. Well, uh, one question that we love to ask all of our guests um, is a negative of the sport, and it's the biggest part of the sport, arguably, which is losing discs. Now, me and Dale have watched enough of your videos to know that it's probably quite a big part of your game. Uh, but can you could you tell us <laughs> one example where you've lost a disc? It was it a signature series super collectible disc, or was it one that's meant a lot to you? where you've lost it, you never got it back, or you did get it back. Hey, maybe it's a happy ending. Um, but something that sort of kept you up at night thinking, oh, if only I threw that on an Anheuser instead or something slightly different. Yeah, the the first one that came to mind is this disc. Uh, it, it, I threw it all throughout college. Well, I say all throughout. It was mainly my senior year. I had it before then. I threw it somewhat. It was a Prodigy D1, 400G, I think. Um, my senior year of college, I was sponsored by Prodigy. Our whole team was. And so I had to throw Prodigy. So it came back in my bag and it just became my go-to. It was just like perfectly beat in D1. It would like, I throw it on Heiser, it'd flip up, ride to the right, and then come out at the end. And it had a, um, a Old Dominion disc series stamp on it, which is like the local area is called Old Dominion, Virginia's Old Dominion. And so everyone on the team called it OD. So every time I bring it out, you know, they're saying OD, they're getting it hyped up. You know, we, this disc just seemed to have like powers. Like I remember at nationals, I hit lines with that thing that I've like, I don't know how I did it. And it I, so we just said it was the disc because we knew it couldn't have been me. Um, and so that disc was just special to me. Like, I think I had so many memories on it. I had so many good throws with it at nationals leading to at collegiate nationals leading to that finish and all that. And then July 4th, I think it was this past year, um, or maybe the year before. I don't know when it was. It was sometime after Nationals, July 4th. I remember that. I hadn't played disc golf in like a month and a half because I've been so busy that I'd only played in videos. And so, like, I hadn't really thrown it much. I hadn't done anything competitive. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go through, like, a true practice round. Like, I'm going to go take a few shots, figure it out. I stepped up to this par four, threw my first few drives. I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good. It's a downhill, like, 600-some foot par four. I was like, I'm going to go for the green. Why not? You know, it's a practice round. So I pull out OD, I threw it on a hyzer flip line to the left, I ripped it, it flipped up and rode to the right, it looked like it was going to park it, I was like, holy cow, I did it, and then it hyzered out into this field, and it was like pin high, but it was just like super tall grass, so I walked over there, looked and looked and looked, couldn't find it, I looked for like an hour, disc was gone, so I was devastated, I finished playing the round, and then a month later, I got a call, someone had it, I drove to Roanoke, which is an hour away, to meet the guy, got it back, so stoked, but at that time, I was on Discraft Underground, so I couldn't put it back in my bag. So I was like, okay. So I brought it home, I put it in my closet, and then now I'm no longer on Discraft Underground. I'm throwing a mixed bag. So I was like, sweet, I can get it back out. The disc is gone. I have no idea where it is. I don't know what happened. It just disappeared on me. So it's like a, I, I have it. I'm in possession of it. I know that, but I'm also not because I don't know where it is and it's not on my bag. So it's kind of a, a bittersweet ending there. I want that disc back so bad, but I don't, I don't know where it is. Somewhere. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. I, I think the next time that uh, you lose a disc, if you lose old trusty, I think it's over. Game over. You know, me and old trusty might be breaking up. I think it might be time to retire that disc. I've, I've considered 
you know, Trevor and I have talked about ways to properly send it off. And the one we've kind of <laughs> landed on that we might be doing, we might not be, we've got to figure out the legal side of it is putting in a box full of Tannerite, just shooting it. So that thing just blows up and we give it a proper send off. But I, I've hit one too many trees with it. I just don't know if I can justify it. That's unreal. Brilliant. <laughs> well, I think that really brings us to the closest to the end of, um, of the podcast. So, um, Thank you so much for coming on. It's been it's been awesome to chat with you. As I said we're both big big fans of Foundation, and we'll continue to support as, as best we can. Um, why don't you go and, and shout everyone out everywhere they can find you, so we can uh, try and send the UK uh, population to Foundation. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you go to any social media, you should be able to just search Foundation Disc Golf and, and find us that way. I think we're literally at foundation disc golf on everything but twitter twitter we're at foundation dg we also have a twitch channel uh we stream once a week uh mainly playing rocket league i don't know if that's big over there uh mainly playing rocket league and sometimes Warzone. uh that's foundation gaming and um i believe that's pretty much it you head to foundationdiscs.com you know check out our retail store and then we just launched a podcast network foundation podcast it's grip locked our podcast we talked about some and we also brought on the Nick and Matt show, which is a more live interview style podcast. Um, and we're hoping to announce a few more uh, as the year goes on as well. So what you're saying is the, uh, the AM side will be part of that in uh, no time, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> possibly, possibly. You never know. Perfect. Well, um, thank you very much for coming on and uh, we'll, we'll speak soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, what an incredible guest Hunter was. It's amazing to hear these stories about I don't know, just being a fan of a pro and then becoming best mates with a pro. Who knows? Maybe uh, we'll be best mates with uh, Paul McBeth in a year's time. Let's see. <laughs> That'd be, uh, it'd be pretty awesome. But as a fan of Foundation, obviously a lot of the um, listeners will see on the guest to guest every week. I'm, I'm wearing the same hat every week. I'm a big fan of Foundation. So um, it was really good to sit down with them uh, this week. And, and I just want to call out our guys for guest to guest. Right, we're giving you we're giving you 15 pound on the line for guessing this thing yes hunter was harder he's not going to come to mind when you're talking about disco players on the pro tour you guys had some wonderful guesses but our next guest the guest we want someone to get it guys come on the money it's it, it's a free disc it's 15 pounds disc card voucher just one guest one guest and you can have as many guests as you want it's not one guest per person so uh let's get that money one yeah, we you've got to do better on that. But talking about <laughs> doing better, we need to do better on uh, on predictions. Now I've do. double checked my predictions. I'm definitely playing next week, so we're all good. <laughs> um, but let's start with you, FEO and MPO. Who you got? Oh, it's a hard one. Let's uh, let's go MPO first. Actually, you know what? MPO is not a hard one. I'm going Calvin Heimberg because. He again, he came third this week. He he hasn't been out of top five position this year. Maybe he's always the bridesmaid, never the bride, but I refuse to believe that's true. He is shooting hot at the moment. He hasn't shooted the hottest rounds, but he got the tour, he got the course record at Belton. Uh, I mean, Waisaki matched it, but he this guy is a wonderful player and he deserves more wins than he's had already. He's playing incredibly. Let's move over to the FPO. It's a, it's a little bit harder because I think it's massively dependent on who's playing well weekend to weekend. But I am going to say that I'm going to say that Haley King is going to have a good weekend. 
she hasn't had the best weekend uh this year on any of the any of the tournaments but you know what i'm just sticking out there i'm feeling good about Haley king she's going to come in with a win okay nice i like it well mpo um i'm going to go back to back to my roots i'm going to go port beth um because i think he'll be annoyed of himself that he didn't do more um and he's going to be practicing 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 i know he's already been out there i've seen instagram he's, he's playing he's getting out there he's practicing so port beth mpo fpo I'm going to go Kona Panis. I think, um, I, I, I generally think she's one to watch this year. She's already got a win under her belt and watching her play disc golf is very, very decent. Um, but yeah, no, she's got more than one win. She's got two because she's got the All-Stars. Um, so two wins. Um, she's coming about third. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing her this year. So that's what I'm going to do. And if you talk about motivations, she didn't have a great last round this weekend. Uh, I think there's a lot of red on her scorecard. So, yeah, these 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 professional disc golf players they use that just to as ammunition to to go into the next thing stronger. So, yeah, I think Kona's going to have a good weekend. I don't think she's ever had a bad weekend yet this year. Um, I mean, horrendous. She had a couple of bad rounds, but she hasn't had a horrendous weekend. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good shout. No. Love it. Well, look out on our social medias for our uh, Grip6 pick. Um, we love doing that because um, it gets a bit of competition between us. Um, I think we both did pretty well, but I'm pretty sure you took it this weekend. Um, so that is 2-1 up now to you. Uh, but if you aren't already following us on Instagram, it's at uh, the Amside Podcast uh, and the same on Facebook. We've got more things coming, um, but look us out for on there. And uh, yeah, give us a follow. Uh, we're trying to get to a thousand followers. We've got something very, very cool to uh, release to you when we hit 900. So um, keep out for that. Awesome. Yeah, that's the last thing we need. More competition. But it's, uh, it's a little bit of fun. But before we leave you this week, I just want to give a shout out to the sponsor of the show, DiscHub.co.uk. These guys, as you know, have been great supporters of the show. Dale mentioned a giveaway and there's going to be a couple of things from DiscHub in, in that giveaway. So um, please go check them out and make sure you use our code AMSIDE5 for 5% off any of your orders uh, that you put in with them. Yep, yeah, awesome. Uh, so until next week, guys, we don't see you on the course. We'll see you on the AMSIDE. <laughs>